travelers, and welcome to another episode of Tales of Tavat, a Genshin lore podcast. Last week, we talked about Scaramouche, the Wanderer, and everything that comes in between. Rumor has it Scar is currently going through some etiquette training with Nihita to learn to be with the people, but we're hoping she'll let him out one day soon so we could see him again. This week is our season one finale, and what better topic to finish it off with a bang than the cataclysm? Literally. <laughs> but don't worry, we'll be back with more lore and fun for season two starting on March 15th. Additionally, I want to remind our travelers to visit talesofdevot.com to see visual representations of the lore mentioned during today's podcast. Your guides have put them together for you to make things a little easier to understand. On our site, you can also find some awesome goodies, including artist spotlights from the community for each episode, wallpapers for download, and a way to check out some of our favorite Genshin merch. Finally, feel free to email us at talesofdevotpod at gmail.com to let us know what you thought of this week's episode and what topics you'd like to see next season. But yeah, all right. The cataclysm. We made cataclysm. it. <laughs> when you think cataclysm, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Cataclysm. No, <laughs> yes. both of you. No. I think of those boxes and that whole, you know, the red thing of all like the things falling all over the place. I'm the box ghost. Mayhem. Death, death, death and dying. Death, destruction and boxes. <laughs> Speaking oh of boxes, uh, <laughs> travelers, I have recently moved, so I'm sorry if my audio is weird. That sounds yes. fine. Yeah, you sound Still fine. Still, just in case. Also, I need to curse everybody with the box ghost. <laughs> They're going to steal your boxes and everything you have in there. So open <laughs> your boxes. Damn, Danny Phantom. I was like, like, I have no idea what she's talking about right now. <laughs> oh my god, from the hit Nickelodeon show, Danny Phantom, where <gasps> his family like curses him and he becomes half a ghost, but they also just want to murder all ghosts. And he's like, oh shit, can't let my family find out. I am too old to watch that show. <laughs> Wait, hold up. He didn't He didn't get cursed. He was experimented on. <laughs> the Fatui experimented on him. Our next podcast will be about that show. About Danny Phantom and Danny <laughs> Phantom only. No. Yes. So, and then we'll start a podcast just for Buffy. Yeah. Yes. So I think it'd be really important before we really jump into the cataclysm to give a brief overview of the timeline surrounding the cataclysm. So like maybe what happened a few hundred years before and a few hundred years after to really give us some context for the rest, how this fits in with the rest of the season and the rest of the topics we've talked about. So are we safe to say that the primordial one descending to Tavat is number one? Or <laughs> is it the Seelie ancestor marrying an outsider and getting banished? Which one came first? Chicken or well, the egg? I think we know that the primordial one created humanity. So it really just becomes the chicken or the egg. But we also know that the elemental realm, the, the seven elemental dragons were into that before people. I would say the elemental realm probably first. And then the primordial one who probably came and separated those realms because we know we can touch into the elemental realm and the abyss is mm. its own realm that was a part of it separated it you know created humans probably at the same time the moon princesses were ruling more than likely the dragons were first and then the primordial mm. one that's what primordial... i'm thinking yeah because the primordial, the primordial one... one is a dragon <gasps> oh that'd be cool 
I'm just going to confuse everything. This entire, <laughs> I am confusion entirely. <laughs> Look, you know me and dragons. I can't, I can't help it. <laughs> so we're going to start off with saying that we had our seven like elemental dragons first. And then the primordial one came down and kind of divided everything up into the different realms. And that's how we get humanity here. And then we kind of run into the issue of, okay, we have humanity and a bunch of random stuff starts happening. We have the... <laughs> moon princesses being destroyed and the Seelie ancestor being banished and at the same time or maybe right afterwards we have the second who came coming down fighting with the primordial one and sinking in Kanomiya into the ground sounds good yes so yep yep and and i would say that the i believe that the light slash elemental realm and the abyss slash void realm have always been together sort of diametrically opposed to each other and and kind of exacting an opposite force to each other and that the primordial one came with their shining shades and defeated the seven sovereigns and they sort of built the human realm on top of the the light elemental realm and so now it's like you got the light realm and then you have the human realm built on top of it and they're both at odds with the encroaching abyssal realm that we're constantly having to deal with right okay so then Inconomia gets sunk to the ground and humankind kind of starts to prosper a little bit I think we have some of our smaller areas getting attacked. We have Salvignor, which is the place living on the people of Dragonspine, pre-Dragonspine. We have <laughs> Old Mondstadt, which was ran by Decorabian. And I think at this point, we're kind of starting to run into the Venti storyline, if I'm not mistaken. And during this, the Venti storyline of, of, of Venti being a cute little wisp and befriending a bard who then dies. At the same time, I think so far as far as we know, at least, all the other gods are kind of thriving. Ruka Devada is out dealing with like King Deshra and the goddess of flowers. And I think Gooba went to sleep at this point too. Gooba, 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 Gooba. Oh my, Gooba, Gooba went to sleep around this time. So we have the stove god kind of depleting its energies out. We have in in Azuma A and Makoto being dual archons together. Then we you have Istaroth hanging out somewhere. Yeah, Istaroth aka Paimon somewhere. <laughs> then we have the Archon War, and the Archon War happened about a thousand years ago. I believe so. Yeah, either a thousand or two thousand. And I don't. I just to just to clarify. So the Primordial One comes, defeats the Seven Sovereigns creates you know heaven and the earth for humanity's sake and then at that point this single unified civilization spans the world and flourishes and economia was a part of that and then the second who came comes to town and starts a big scary war with the primordial one and that causes complete disaster and that's when economia sinks into the ocean Right. And then that's when we get into our more human storylines and learning about the seven archons who aren't the seven archons yet because they're just kind of gods vibing. And the archon war happens and that determines who's going to be the seven archons. And Mm -hmm. during this archon war, we see Guizhong Guizhong die. 
Mm. And the salt god dies. Oh, yeah. A lot of gods die. We know Zhao was running around eating, eating gods in their dreams. <laughs> Tofu almond dreams. Yeah, he's still like contracted with that other guy. Mm-hmm. He's enslaved, basically. Right. And at this point, too, uh, I believe Ganyu is alive because Ganyu or Ganyu is almost born because she didn't know Guizhong. Yeah, she didn't know Guizhong. Right. Okay. But yeah, so like I think the whole street word, street rambler, street, street word, word rambler. rambler. Thank you. I <laughs> almost, I, I just learned it. I almost forgot it. AKA Madame um, Ping. Yeah. I think that whole shebang was going on before Ganyu. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think they were alive at the same time, but she was just kind of young and shy or something. Being picked on by Cloud Retainer. Right. Yeah, she was a part of the OG clan. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> and so at this point during the Arkham War, we have a lot of death. We have a lot of crazy things and we can connect, like Brandon said, some of these storylines back to Zhao and Zhongli, who are some of our main playable characters. But by the end of the Archon War, Tevat has chosen seven Archons to rule over Tevat. And they all have their own nations. So that is when Venti, Zhongli, A and Makoto, Ruka Tevata, and the unknown other gods from Fontaine and Atlan, and then the Saritza come into power. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of confusion in this timeline of when visions happen. I know we think visions may have been happening during the time of Leonard from last episode, R.I.P. Lenny boy. But we're not really sure if Leonard, like if when Venti created Musk Reef. So we're, like, was that before or after the Archon War? We're not 100% sure, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. We know that Leonard was obsessed with trying to climb Pylos Peak 2,000 years ago. Okay. But we don't know when he died or when it turned into Musgrief. That must be before the Archon War then, because the Archon War was, I think, a thousand years ago. Probably, yeah. But so after the Archon War, things seem to kind of settle down in Tavat until the Cataclysm. Ah. We'll talk about that in a second. But <laughs> post-Cataclysm, we do see the fall of the Viridescent Venerer, who we've talked about, the Bloodstained Knight. We see a lot of destruction across Tavat. And somewhere between right before the Cataclysm starting and now, we've arrived. Yes. And the right. Fatui was started af- right after the Cataclysm as right. well. And there's some, there's some theories that maybe we were around well before the Cataclysm, but... Those are probably just kind of crack theories. I mean, we do know that our twin entered the like records of Soul right around the time of the Cataclysm. So right. that sort of implies that we showed up right around then. But there's a few theories that might imply that they actually showed up a lot earlier than that, which we'll get into in a little bit. And I no longer trust Soul. Yeah. No. For any like... There have been too much, too, it was too easy for that to be tampered with. Yeah. Multiple it was times. So easy. So actually, let's not go into what happened after the Cataclysm. And let's talk about <laughs> the Cataclysm because I actually think that's more important. So the Cataclysm then happens in Conria. And for travelers who aren't aware, Conria is a human nation where they do not follow a god. Now, and we're- they live underground. It's, if you haven't heard of Conria, you've been living under a rock just like the people of Conria. Like the <laughs> They're full dwarves. Full dwarves. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, so Conria is located somewhere underground. If you believe in my crack theories, I think that when you go to the Thousand Winds extension site, which is that island you can fly out really far to and get an achievement for, I think that the stairs there lead you down to Conria, but that's just my vibe. I could be wrong, but Conria is somewhere underground. We're not sure where. And I have a theory that it's actually in the chasm and I have Ooh. one glaring thing of why I think that it's actually down there. If you look at the Tavat interactive map on Hoyalab, it is the only place on the entire map that has a little glowy, like purple thing. That's true. In the middle of the chasm. Oh yeah. And I think that's the 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 main portal. Isn't there some old lore about the chasm that a meteor crashed into the earth like a long, long time ago, and then it was ripped back out? After yes. it had been there for a long time. So it like ripped out and created this giant hole. Yeah. So the the theory I remember reading online about that is that the uh, like a meteor, like you said, landed. But a lot of people say that the shape of the meteor and everything would actually match the shape of Celestia. So and I that, right. like the, you know, we hear a lot about descenders who are people that aren't from Tavat that came down. So there's a lot of like thoughts around the fact that maybe the first descender who is the primordial one crashed mm -hmm. down in a celestia meteor and then mm -hmm. was able to kind of throw it back up into the sky for the rest of the gods of celestia to live on and so they, that would have been the part of the chasm that was removed well yeah like in the actual hole floating in the sky <gasps> Yeah. Wow. Well, the idea isn't that it was a part of the chasm. The idea is that this it was like a, a giant rock that fell down and then created the chasm. Okay. And then when it was lifted back up, the shape of the external chasm was created. It's so like the above ground part. And right. I will say, I, I, I brought up the interactive map. <laughs> and it does look very much like that spiral that we kind of see at the bottom of Celestia. And... I, what I think is really interesting to, about that theory, Tiff, as well, just to kind of throw it out there, is that in the underground section of the chasm, we find another ancient city that has been destroyed. And that city seems very comparable to Conria. Uh, for our travelers who don't know, Conria was very well known for its technology. They actually created ruin guards, and they were actually like protectors for Conria. So they didn't have gods, but they had ruin guards and ruin golems. That shit's scary. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's a really interesting point. But the um, I think there is a part in that chasm quest where someone mentions that the architecture or something of those the civilization that was there before looks like it could even predate Conria. So I always took that as being oh, yeah. a part of this, the grand civilization that lived before the second who came. Oh. But mm -hmm. I don't know. Because I, I like the theory that there, you know, maybe they were, there was a group of people living underground uh, that was just like a part of the grand, like unified civilization into that. And that, like, maybe there were some dwarves, Al, that were just hanging out underground. And then when shit hit the fan that Conria 
decided to avoid the gods and to keep living underground and sort of rejected the gods at that point. I mean, it would make sense. You see all these things happening, curses of gods, gods getting angry and just, you know, sky nailing. Right. Well, so that's the other part is like maybe a bunch of people went to live underground because they all got sky nailed. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. It could be. It's, it's again, the chicken, chicken and the egg thing. Were they sky nailed and then they moved? I kind of have a feeling because going back to our sky nail and Salvin Dagner, uh, we have a lot of Norse and Scandinavian names, and we also have that in Conria. Did the people who escaped Salvin Dagner after it was sky nailed move underground to Conria? Definitely possible. I, yeah, I like that theory. And I mean, there's no telling how many caverns are connected into everything because the chasm has a lot of evidence of wall text talking about the cataclysm and even earlier civilizations. So I wouldn't be surprised that there's a a giant underground network, uh, maybe of an entire world we don't know about that, you know, that they survived and they're like you know what maybe we are the abyss we're just underneath everything wait did you say on dragon spine there's things that depict the cataclysm no in the chasm oh in the chasm i'm i know i was so stuck on salvinier i guess i, I was like wait yeah. what yeah yeah you're right in the chasm there's a lot of crazy shit and there's some crazy shit like that over in inazuma too very similar painting yeah, in inazuma but also the in an economia an underground network is definitely not a stretch um I recently saw, and I if I find it, we'll link to it, but I saw a creator who created a underground map for the Sumerian desert and how everything underground is connected over there. And oh my gosh, like it's insane how you could basically travel completely from one side of the desert to the other. I did it by accident the other day. I was in the new area and all of a sudden I was in the old area and I was like, what the fuck? How did I get here? Yeah. Like I didn't, I was just exploring, trying to open chests. I was like, what the hell? So I it's definitely think that's maze. all possible. Yeah. But let's take a step back and I just stick with Conria. So the cataclysm happened about 500 years ago. And we know that Conria was a godless nation. They love technology. They kind of chilled underground. And to be frank, There is no fact that shows us how the cataclysm happened or why it happened. Mm -hmm. We all have our own theories, I think, about why the cataclysm happened, though, right? Yeah, I I strongly believe that the it kind of came down to Celestia being like, hey, why don't you have a god? You should have a god. And them being like, no, we don't want one. (laughs) And then Celestia being like, well, you know what? Fuck you. Get out of here. Fuck you. Just like that. You know what? You don't even deserve That was actual verbiage um, that I found on a text. (laughs) You don't even deserve a sky now. We're just going to blow you up. We're just going to get rid of you entirely. (laughs) Oh, and you know whoever, all the people who are left, we're going to curse you. Oh, yeah. So we've talked a little bit too about the fact that Gold or Rydendor, who is Albedo's master, might also be involved in creating some of the chaos of Conria. Mm-hmm. We also know that Durin was released out of Conria during the Cataclysm. And, you know, poor Durin was in this dream lake state, thinking he was going to make friends, but he just terrorized Monsta instead. Yeah, we know that, that the Cataclysm coincided with the curse of Conria and all these monsters that came through. And it 
it's not just the hilly churls or abyss mages it was also a bunch of insane monsters that were spilling in from all over to that because there are moments that where it talks about them coming out of the chasm there's the moment where they're spilling in through somewhere in inuzuma yes because that's when um chio stays behind to protect it while a goes to meet up with makoto who was at the cataclysm site i guess in right. conria <laughs> you know it all sort of originates in conria for mm-hmm. some reason and we suspect that gold is probably involved but there's other theories too i mean maybe it has something to do with the moon princesses or right. istaroth absolutely i want to take a moment and talk about the gods and how each nation responded to conria and the cataclysm because all the gods were summoned, like our seven archons were all summoned to Conria, but not all of them went. We know in Monset, Venti actually stayed back with Devalin to handle the Durin situation. And then we know in mm-hmm. Liwei, we actually don't know if Zhongli went there or not. The assumption is that he did, but we don't know for certain. And I blame all of his contracts for that. I mean, probably. But- I mean, we know also that uh, Fontaine's Archon chose specifically not to go because they are like one of their values is justice. And for some reason, they believed what happened to Conria was justified. Oh, that's interesting, especially since mm-hmm. we know that the current god of Fontaine isn't the original god of Fontaine. Exactly. That's like a very interesting thought of like, was that the OG god or the new god that did that too? I- mm-hmm. I think it was the newest one because they are older than Nahida, um, who was born right after the Cataclysm. Yeah. So they'd have to be at least older than the Cataclysm, regardless of how close in age. And we also know that in Li Wei with Shang Li, that at this point, he starts to write up his contracts, whether that be right after the Cataclysm or right before, with the Yakshas. Because, oh, I actually think it's after the Archon War. Here, I want to throw out my theory. You guys tell me what you think. The reason I want to say that he signed the contracts after the Archon War is because um, Bodacious was already a Yaksha and he died in the chasm protecting Leeway from the Abyssal Monsters that were flooding out. The Abyssal Monsters would have been flooding out because of the Cataclysm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay, Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. Okay. Cool. So there was no reason for the Yaksha to be down there if he didn't already have the contract. The contract. Okay. So okay. So I Well, I don't know if the contract I mean, maybe that is why, but he had also lost his mind, Bosatius, at that point. And just because of the karmic debt stuff. So he had like disappeared for I th- I want to say like a couple hundred years or something, and Zhao hadn't seen him. So when the cataclysm happened, everyone started talking about this hero that showed up at the bottom of the chasm and was like holding off all these monsters. So yeah, I guess I'm always confused about these contracts because it is canon that there were contracts between the Yakshas and Zhongli. Right. So do you think that like even though he went crazy, he was still willed to go down into the chasm to fight? I was under the impression that like Sometime after the Archon War, Zhongli signed these contracts. Because after the Archon War, there were a lot of weird monsters that started showing up um, from, like, the remnants of the gods and, like, their their dead bodies. (laughs) Which is such a weird thing to think about. Um, (laughs) And so I also think the contract had to have been set forth 
before the cataclysm based on the cutscenes we've seen of Zhao peacefully and leisurely hanging out with the Yakshas. I don't mm-hmm. think in their like enslaved, I, I don't know if they are all enslaved by the same people, but if they were all enslaved by that same like person or group, I don't think they'd be doing leisure time like that. Right. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't really remember 100% of the bodacious lore. I kind of thought that. <laughs> bo- oh, bodacious. <laughs> bodacious. I don't, I don't remember all the bodacious lore exactly, but I was under the impression that he went down to the chasm and then went missing. And that's why Zhao hadn't seen him in hundreds of years. Because all of the Yakshas, except, except for Zhao, lost their minds. Oh, I think he disappeared and then showed up yeah okay and i only say that because i just re-listened to that episode the (laughs) other day (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. okay so we have that going on in leeway so the yakshas are trying to fight off these abyssal monsters we have bodacious 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 bodacious. (laughs) we have bodacious and the other uh human yalan's ancestor kind of fending monsters off down there and in Azuma, Makoto follows the call and goes to Kanria, while A and Chiho are... It's Chiho, right? Yeah, Chiho. Uh, and Chiho are stuck in Inazuma fighting abyssal monsters that are coming out. And like Brandon said earlier, we really don't know where in Inazuma these monsters are coming from. But once A realizes that Makoto has left, she puts Chiho in charge and leaves to go find Makoto, but is too late. Mm. And then meanwhile, in Inazuma... We find out that Rukadavada... Did you say Inazuma? I think you meant Samara. Oh, <laughs> she actually doesn't go to Conria and follow the call. She actually goes to Ermensol and uh, as a way to protect Sumeru and also protect all the Tavat because Ermensol is actually being like infected again with the forbidden knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, like as soon as the cataclysm starts, you know, this forbidden knowledge contamination that you learn about in Sumeru it immediately started coming back after they had sort of gotten rid of most of it, mm-hmm. you know, a few hundred years before that. Um, And then as soon as the cataclysm starts, it starts like rushing back in. Okay. And we, er, uh, Ruka Devada actually like gives her life basically at Ermensol mm-hmm. and creates Nahida out of Ermensol and a little baby Nahida is born. Our little sprout. Which starts our little bird's terrorized life in the birdcage. (laughs) (laughs) Not the birdcage. You know, Al said that Fontaine's god didn't go, and we really don't know about Natlon and the Saritza, not yet at least. So we kind of have like a little bit of a painting of what's going on in each of these nations as the cataclysm is unfolding. But back in Conria, shit is hitting the fan. And we really don't know the immediate reactions of anyone down there either. It's all really a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's a good point is to say that there is there is so much mystery around it. It's been vague in all the stories. Like, most likely on purpose, we're going to assume that it's going to be a grand thing that we'll find out, you know, at the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's little bits and pieces that you find out about all of this stuff in like relics and swords and it's kind of crazy how it's really like deep in there like there's a lot of assumptions because there's just there's not a lot of info yeah right? and we're led to believe that our twin because of the cataclysm and is so horrified by it that they have become inspired to join the and not just join but to lead the abyss order and sort of a uh, war cry against celestia and you gotta really think that celestia is really kind of crap if you're joining the, the abyss order right 
<laughs> I mean, we saw what they did to the upside down God statue. Right. Yeah. Just on creepy factor alone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we've talked about abyssal energy corrupting characters like child. So that's another piece of it too, is that our twin could be sort of contaminated or poisoned by this abyssal energy. Um, because we do know that they go through portals in and out of the abyss, which means that they are in danger of becoming corrupted. So it's kind of strange because we don't know for sure how much our twin is just passionately like we have to make a stand against Celestia and then how much our twin is being contaminated and infected by this mm-hmm. outside force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, you know, I think the Archon chasm, like the Danesleaf chasm quest really bears a lot of questions to that thought too, because mm-hmm. we actually see like a flashback of our twin or we see our twin and they're trying to do something to bring back the homeland, he says. Oh, for me, he says, because I, I play as Lumine. <laughs> um, but it's also interesting because in the latest Archon quest with Skara, he brings up that the Jester actually lived with our sibling for a little bit in Conria and that Piero was what was he he was a a royal a royal mage Mm -hmm. oh I was gonna say mage but then I was thinking of like the abyss mages and I was like nah that's not right (laughs) you're like his legs are too big he's he's too (laughs) thick to be an abyss mage (laughs) so that's really interesting to look at because we're being told that our sibling lived in Conria for a long enough for Piero to say that they worked together and they knew each other. So it is a good question of like, how long was the Abyss twin there? And would they have considered Conria their second home? Or would they have been leaving? Or would they be dealing with the Abyssal corruption? And there's a part of me too that thinks that they may have been like using the Abyss twin as like a god in Conria, because like we are an angel or a, of something. So yeah, don't they call the Abyss Twin the prince or the princess? Yeah, they do. Which doesn't that kind of go back to people saying that like Dainsleaf and like the Traveler were dating? Possibly. I mean, we we know that they're royalty, just right. like Piero. To me, that means that the timeline doesn't still doesn't make sense, and that we're missing something because. Wait. How did we come from a different world and then all of a sudden our twin is royalty in this underground nation? Wait, how how is Pierre is a royal mage mean you're royalty? What is a royal mage? Well, I just assume they meant part of the uh the royal clan that ruled Conria, the uh the Eclipse Dynasty. Yeah. Or it could be just someone who's part of court and is designated as like the royal mage or like mm-hmm. the royal ca- captain of the guard yeah like um Dainsleaf is part of the royal guard but he's not actually royalty he's mm-hmm. a, a servant to them yeah and do we all agree that piero's kaya's dad are we all on the same like agreement with that one i think we all want yeah. that to be true <laughs> I think, yeah i think so I don't know. I want his dad to be dead so he doesn't have to make a decision. Oh my, here, it's that part of the show again. <laughs> <laughs> Who does Feeny want to die? Feeny and her men. <laughs> I just want Kaya to not have to decide between his birth father and his adopted family. That's all. <laughs> also, who the hell is Kaya's mom? The more you keep 
asking people to die, you know Mahoyo is listening and they're going to kill Albedo. Shut up. <laughs> no. They're going to turn him evil and we're going to have to kill him. Oh my god, I see so much art about him being evil, like him getting like possessed by Durin's blood and the abyssal power. Stop. That's my nightmare. <laughs> his blood. Uh, but since we're on the topic of Albedo, I would like to give out my episode or two reminder that Albedo was not around during the Cataclysm. He was not created yet. Just so you all know, we don't know when he was created, but he wasn't created during the Cataclysm. But he was created by Rheindotter, a.k.a. Gold. Yeah, that bitch. I but hate are you her. saying that he was created before or after? After. I, I forget exactly where I read it, but he's younger than Durin. He actually never met Durin. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and that's why well, I that's think... interesting because I feel like they don't really give us anything about where gold was after the cataclysm happened. Yeah, all we know is that at some point, gold and albedo went exploring together. Oh, yeah, they were looking for like a artifact or something, right? So, yeah, all we know is that albedo and gold were out one day, like they went exploring together, and on their one adventure, they were in the heart of a dungeon. And they discovered an artifact known as the Heart of Nibirius. And not much is known about that. We just know that afterwards, gold disappeared. We do know that Nibirius is a demon and a Marquis of Hell in the Ars Goetia, who typically takes the form of a three-headed dog or a raven. So maybe it was Oz's heart. I don't know. <laughs> but basically, gold, like when they found the heart, was like, peace out, Albedo. Go find the answers of the world. Tell me what it really means. Go live with Aunt Alice. Bye. And she right. like disappeared. And Albedo was like, ah, okay. <laughs> he has some abandonment issues. I have a feeling I know what it was, which I'll get to when we get into our theories. But oh, I was going to say while we were on the subject of the Abyss twin being in the royal court or guard or something, what if the whole story about the Seelie princess falling in love with someone, what if that was supposed to be Lumine? Or Yo. an Abyss twin? Yo, <laughs> hold yeah, up. Yeah, or it could be it could be Lumine, even if it, they became the Abyss Twin for a different reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Wait, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna throw something crazy out there for you guys. What if Lumine and Aether are the children of a human and the Seelie Princess, and they, when we first saw them in the opening cutscene, they were trying to get revenge against the Primordial One for cursing them? Mm, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a possibility, but I feel like we wouldn't be a descender then. I mean, technically, wouldn't the Moon Sisters be descenders? Because they're not from Tabat, they're from the moon. Could be. <laughs> Yo, it's it's... There is no evidence. I have nothing to back this up. It was just something I thought. We don't... How many descenders are there? Four, at least. That's what I was going to say. We know we're four, but do we know if there's more than us? There probably is. Because, like, if we're... if Because Nahida said we're the fourth descender. I feel like there's got to be more because, one, four is just an odd number. I mean, there's definitely a two and a three. There's like a two and but a they, three. But they also, when they say descender, they could also be talking about more than one person. Exactly. Because we, I think we we confirmed in the in the Scara episode that it's like, our twin is really our twin. It was just, you know, some fucky alt delete shit in our soul. I think mm -hmm. a lot of it could be descenders are perhaps a way 
to designate eras of Tevat. And so we're the fourth descender, the fourth major era of Tavat's history. So we could be, it could be more of an allegory. Plus or... we know that the primordial one had four shades. Exactly. So if the, I mean, hmm. that's assuming the primordial one is considered a descender, which I guess we don't re really know. And I was going to bring Wait. this up as well, is do we think for sure that the sustainer of heavenly principles is the primordial one? No. No, I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I think they were the second who came. Question. Okay, descend. Descend from the heavens. If we go through that, what if all of these descenders are those, the shades that descended from the primordial one to reign on earth or mm -hmm. to that? So perhaps we were the last part of it. And for some reason, it's very specific in how it does it in the timeline. And perhaps the second who came, which I don't know if that's been confirmed that they were a descender or not. I feel like they have to be, right? Like the second who came, where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just you saying. You should be a dude like, if you're yeah. not. <laughs> And I feel the same about the primordial one. Like, they came down and, like, destroyed the seven sovereigns who are, like, the natives of the land. What a bitch move. <laughs> I think they're all descenders. How European. I was just gonna say, it's all just, in, like, a comparison to the English settlers of America. Absolutely. All fucked. <laughs> but, but I know, so we've had, just to remind you all of some of the wacky theories we've had in the past, we have theorized that the unknown god is gold that sustainer of heavenly principles is the great sinner. We talked about the battle pass cutscene, talking <laughs> about, you know, and part of that theory is that gold is the heir to the celestial kingdom who becomes the great sinner because they forget who they are mm -hmm. when they retrieve the Genesis pearl from the kingdom of darkness. Right. If gold is part of that, do we think she might actually be descended from Conrian royalty? Oh, wait, that goes into the incest thing of like Kaya and Albedo. Yeah, that's where you get into the idea that Kaya and Albedo could be brothers, basically. <laughs> I'm thinking there's, she's just like the princess of Celestia. Ooh, okay. Ooh, and that she forgets. That gold is the princess? Yeah, that's what that theory is saying. Oh, okay. And then Al, you and I had a shared theory that gold is Lumine older or and or time traveled. <gasps> right, that's right. We did have that. I do like that. <laughs> Feeny, you think the unknown god is one of the moon princesses, oh, or yeah. you did at one point, and that it's possible that the outlander, which is, this is the theory we, I was just saying, actually, is uh, the, the one who fell in love with the Seelie ancestor and could be the traveler or the twin. So that's another theory. I thought maybe Paimon is one of the moon sisters or a Seelie, which we brought that up several times before. A fun crack theory is that the person playing the game is the primordial one and that's why paimon looks at you when you pause it she like looks into the camera and breaks the fourth wall um that the the unknown god could be the original god of the light or elemental realm and that they're they were trying to take back what's rightfully theirs okay a dragon you mean yeah the seven <laughs> But it could also be the second who came. And I still get really kind of iffy and confused on if I think that sustainer of heavenly principles is the primordial one or the second who came. I feel like it's more likely they're the second who came. But then who is the primordial one? And why do they have four shades? 
why do they have four shades? Feeny thinks that the four shades could be Istaroth as the shade yeah, of the human realm. The unknown god is the shade of the light realm, and gold is the shade of the abyss realm. And then the primordial one is the fourth shade. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with that. And then maybe that if Lumine is a time-looped unknown god, that maybe that sort of like I was saying a few minutes ago, that maybe that can be canon and that the reason that they became that changes, even if you're playing as Ether versus Lumine. I think that's a fun idea that most of us never think about. We always just assume like it's going to be the other twin <laughs> for the same reason. But what if it's not? Like if you're playing as Lumine, you become the Abyss Queen to save Ether. Whereas if you're playing as Ether, she becomes the Abyss Queen because of something else. There's and so then Tiff brought up this theory back in episode eight. Oh, I had one more that the Unknown God is Ether and Lumine's mother. But Tiff yeah. brought up this theory in episode eight that she read about, which is that the Unknown God is a character named Kiana from Punkai Impact. Oh God, not the honk I love. Do this. Open the can of worms, bees. The can of worms. It is a big ass can of worms. It is like, it, the oh biggest. my God. I don't like that stew. I somehow feel like I started the can. You, you did, did, and you didn't even you know did. it. You bought it at the <laughs> store. Did, yeah. It's like when you buy canned bread for the first time, and you're like, yeah. what is this? And it just keeps coming out. And you're like, what the hell? <laughs> that's what, that's what I Do any of you know much? I know from our conversations through Discord of the giant theory we have put together, but that's so it. let me just go over some basic terms. Are we ready to talk about theory? Yeah, what, there... what? I don't even know the plot of Honkai. So Honkai Impact Third, the third, the third. is <laughs> about. I know the third is so weird, um, but it's basically about the cycle in which humanity keeps getting wiped out by this strange, malevolent power called Honkai. And the it Honkai... Like sin in, in, in Final Fantasy X. Possibly. I haven't played that. But yeah, it's kind of like it's a it's a energy or a will. Mm -hmm. It's not like a physical beast, even though it can create physical beasts. Okay. But the energy or will that that hates humanity and it seeks to destroy it out every time civilization reaches a certain point in their advancement or evolution, basically. Mm -hmm. And it can do all these crazy things, like it can possess humans, it can make people into zombies, it causes erosion, which is a word that we've heard used in Genshin before. Yeah. Um, it can kill people, and it can create monsters just called Honkai Beasts, which are just these funny-looking monsters. And um, it's just this malevolent energy. It's usually also has a, uh, a core, which from what I read, it's kind of vague of what that actually is. Keep in mind, by the way, so much of the stuff that I'm reading about Honkai, like these websites that I'm reading about it on, you can tell that whoever wrote it, English might not be their first language okay. in some cases. And there's so much honkai lore like we think that genshin has a lot of lore it's like a drop in the freaking ocean <laughs> compared oh, to honkai because honkai has like bubble mind. worlds well or they also have like all these mangas and everything so there's yeah. just way more story and character but it makes sense because i mean it has been out longer so they've had time true yeah but <laughs> and i guess it's actually really popular overseas oh yeah like, hi like genshin is small fries compared to honkai impact 
the third. Yeah, that's the vibe that I'm getting as I'm like looking into stuff. And I do want to do more research, but just to give some more basic information and concepts that is going to blow your mind a little bit. So in the world of Honkai, they have these two opposing forces, which are called the imaginary tree and the sea of Quanta. And the imaginary tree Quanta. and the sea of Quanta are always at odds with each other. It sounds a whole lot like the light slash elemental realm versus the void realm slash abyss. Mm -hmm. Or even Erminsol is on like a sea of stars. Yeah, a lot of people talk about the imaginary tree being tied to Erminsol, but basically it's their creation myth for their game of the uh the Sea of Quanta and the imaginary tree have always been around, essentially, that, or at least as far as people know, and that the mm -hmm. Sea of Quanta is always trying to drown the imaginary tree while the imaginary tree is always trying to outgrow the Sea of Quanta. And the tree contains a multiverse, which is uh, different universes that grow on the tree as leaves. And when a universe fails to thrive for whatever reason, that leaf falls off of the tree and into the sea of quanta okay so that can get into a lot of theories about the void realm slash the abyss and like we see so much of the void sort of creeping in to to that throughout the game Right. And maybe that's because we're in a bubble universe that fell off of the freaking imaginary tree and now the sea of quanta is trying to infiltrate our world a couple other concepts that you should know. There are people in Honkai that become possessed by the will of the Honkai power. And that means that they basically become the Honkai's avatar and they're hellbent on destroying humanity. Oh and God. these are called Hershers. And um, they usually have some type of Honkai core within them that develops over time and then also slowly turns the infected person into th this hateful scary murderous hersher and um makes them more and more powerful too as it grows these seem to be referred to as gems in the game which okay. i thought was interesting you know you already know who i think is the freaking hersher in genshin <laughs> it's gold um and <laughs> it's gold <laughs> it's gold it's gold it, like the genesis pearl that's the freaking honkai core and yep, yep. it corrupted her and turned her evil and caused her to try to tear the world apart. Um, each of the Hershers has their own sort of special name in the game, and there's a bunch of different ones. But the one that I wanted to talk about is the main character of Honkai Impact, who is Kiana Kazlana, who Tiffany mentioned way back in episode eight. She's also technically the same, this character named Siren, but everyone, most people call her Kiana, and she's, her Hersher name is Hersher of the Void. Okay. Now, a couple other things. There are these things called divine keys in Honkai, and these are weapons or devices that are made by humans usually that are using the hersher cores from people that have been like hershers that have been defeated so a keyblade <laughs> a yeah key, a keyblade <laughs> and they have their own special powers and they and their own special names and the one that i wanted to bring up the divine key that i think is really interesting for us is the key to infinity and that particular one has the power to create and traverse bubble universes oh and guess whose hersher core that one was made from kiana <laughs> isn't isn't there a bubble world named smeru 
Yes, there is a bubble universe created by this character named Sue, and he created that universe using that same divine key, Kiana's key, and uh, yeah, it's called the Seed of Sumeru. What? Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) And we don't really know much about it other than it's this bubble universe that someone created, this really powerful character created. I couldn't find a whole lot about it. It's called the Seed of Sumeru. Sue's world. (laughs) That's what it kind of seems like. And also it would explain why Kiana could be the sustainer of heavenly principles because by the way, if you haven't looked up what that character looks like, it looks just like her. It's insane, honestly. It does really Winning. look just like her. She, I mean, she has a few different looks based on different, um, like, costumes and, like, things that she goes through in the game. But, like, her evil god look is the sustainer. Like the, And people that have worked on the game have even sort of hinted that it could be her. I love the theory, but I hate it. <laughs> Okay, it gets more, it gets even more wacky. Okay. So there are these other things called ether anchors. Stop it. And these are devices (laughs) that somehow hold a universe together. Like if it's a universe with a certain set of laws, these ether anchors like will hold them together somehow. Kind of like ley lines? Mm, Well, I'm thinking they could be possibly tied to the sky nails because they can also be used, it says, to travel between like a main world within Honkai and other bubble universes. But either way, it's something that can be used to hold a universe together. And I feel like the things that we've read about the sky nails is that that is one of the popular theories about them, that they could be used to sort of hold the abyss back from Tevat. Okay. And so that would make sense if they were using an ether anchor and maybe Traveler and Sibling, maybe they were able to use one to actually come to Tibet in the first place, you know, or maybe the sustainer used them. And I also, I'm also wondering if maybe the, that is tied into what created the cataclysm. But um, one other thing, <laughs> there's also this thing called Project Arc. And this was a plan that was enacted by the, one of the previous eras of humanity and the world of Honkai. And so they were basically like, we keep getting wiped out by these evil gods, essentially, and we need to try to save ourselves from going extinct. So to avoid extinction, they created this Project Arc thing, which basically they sent a spaceship out to go find other worlds for humanity to inhabit. And then they never heard from it again. Oh my God. It got sent out. And I think I read something where they even had like the human genome like coded in it or something like that. What? Um, no. Yeah. Well, okay. Wait, wait. There's even, there's even more of a connection. Okay. So the world of Tevat, Tevat, Tevat is a word specifically in hebrew that means boat what else is a boat an ark mm-hmm. ark noah's ark and i think the full translation if you like if you look in hebrew looking at noah's ark it's um to uh, to noah's or like some something along those lines it's we are the ark that's what it's yeah see this creates <laughs> so many theories because like maybe yeah we, maybe the people on Tevat are the ark that but that to me makes me questionable who are the gods and how right. do they get this god power the og people and 
There, oh, there's one other interesting tidbit is uh, there was this other spaceship called the Moonlight Throne. And that spaceship, it was like a battleship and it had the power to change Honkai energy into regular energy, um, capable of use by humans. So that's like a fun theory. Like maybe Celestia is the Moonlight Throne spaceship and it's just disguised with magic or something. Why? No. <laughs> <laughs> no see okay here's what i think um some of our travelers might know uh the shade chamber which is another genshin podcast they are super cool people they tweeted something the other day and they're and i like just agree with it so much they were like don't tell us that after spending years trying to understand genshin impacts lore we will now have to understand years among years <laughs> of another game's lore and then we joked about like, you know, they said they were going to jump off the Jade Chamber and I said I was going to jump off of the Sky Nail in Dragonspine. So <laughs> it, like that's just like so crazy to me. Like everything you said makes sense. It isn't a wild theory by any stretch. Yeah, it feels very likely to be true that I mean, we there is no maybe like we know that Genshin takes place in the same universe as Honkai because they already confirmed that by showing us Devalin in Honkai. And what was I know you mentioned that once before, but like what was Devalin doing in Honkai? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> was he just hanging out? Yeah, what was he up to over there? <laughs> Trying to make friends. No, that's Durin. <laughs> <laughs> One of the characters in Honkai was looking, I guess, at images from the imaginary tree. So they were seeing all these different images of other places and other worlds. And one of those images was a little picture of Devalin flying around. Was this like good Devalin, evil Devalin? I got a lot of questions now about Devalin. It was just Devalin flying. It was just flying. It was like pretty, it didn't, pretty neat. Yeah, just like a little Easter egg. And then they confirm, people that work on the show confirm that that was actually Devalin. Um. <laughs> so we know that to that is i mean unless there's some other big twist that it likely is one of the bubble universes or maybe it's still attached on the uh, imaginary tree so how does honkai then relate back to the cataclysm that i would love to know that because to me <laughs> it would make sense if maybe the cataclysm was the universe falling from the imaginary tree um or maybe someone used the ether anchor to establish a set of laws but i think what's the most likely is that it was a hersher just going evil and trying to erase humanity off of the planet yeah it's it's kind of intense yeah, and I do think there's some like fishy stuff going on with time like we've talked about. So my theory is that maybe, you know, the the twins traveled to that via the imaginary tree after the Ark got there like way before. And then that caused some kind of problem and that maybe someone detached the world, like maybe using the ether anchor is what detaches the world from the tree to create the bubble universe. And then maybe that's why like the Abyss Twin originates during the Cataclysm. And according to Ermansoul, because maybe Ermansoul's rewrite came because they detached from the imaginary tree, which I think of in my brain as like a much larger version of Ermansoul. <laughs> I'm just processing. You know what I mean? Like maybe we rebooted the world when we did yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. But Which here's... makes sense because all like I mean when Nahida is performing her skills, she's jumping on a keyboard. Mm -hmm. 
everything about her is about code and the way and you she- can have all these different bubbles too of like the same home universe because i mm-hmm. remember reading that like one of the characters shows this other honkai character all these different versions of herself from different bubble universes <laughs> Oh my God, I would hate the the idea that like the version of me in another universe is doing so much better. <laughs> yeah, or like maybe just have we're to in go a, take their life. Maybe yeah. we really are stuck in a time loop, and the loop restarts with the cataclysm every time. Oh my God, that would be horrifying. That's why the Abyss Twin is like obsessed with the Loom of Fate and trying to change fate, you know, and things leave. That would also kind of make sense with the Archons. You know, we were just saying, like, who are the Archons then? And it's like, well, Zhang Li won't talk about anything because he has a contract. And we've realized very quickly that A also is a part of that contract. Mm-hmm. So- and maybe maybe gold if gold isn't the sustainer of heavenly principles or one of the other theories, maybe that heart of whatever it was called artifact thing yeah maybe that was one of the divine keys and that she used that to like travel out of tevat via the imaginary trees or maybe she just created a new bubble universe with it i mean it's possible but i want to get to something real quick as much as we have honkai impact and like what possibly caused the cataclysm and like we've yet to talk about the aftermath the complete destruction and the curse of conria right so then let's uh Let's ease Amanda's brain and come out of the Honkai universe. I will this is kind of why I wanted to bring it up. I feel I, like we lost y'all. I'm just going to say one quick thing, though, about the um, the Honkai theory, which is that, which is kind of what I was getting at with the contracts, is that it's totally possible that all the Archons caught on to what was happening if we it was like us falling from the tree. Um, and that's why they all have that contract and why some of them have like suggested that we know them already. Because maybe you're right, B, maybe we are stuck in an infinite time loop where we keep resetting at the Cataclysm. And maybe kind of going into the idea of Dodoray, it's different versions of the Traveler every time. It's different fragments of the Traveler. And this happens to be whatever traveler you are's journey trying to save everything yeah the uh, the actual main character kiana she's the 247th i think version of herself because someone was able to like create her over and over again until she became i guess whoever they wanted her to be because <laughs> they were trying to i guess include certain dna in her which i think is why she's able to you know, house the power of the uh, Hersher of the Void or, or whatever. Right. It's really confusing. All right. That's so back to, back to Conria and let back to Conria and just Tivat, nothing else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to my safety, please. Um, Al brought up, you know, what happens after the cataclysm. So when the cataclysm happens, Conria is completely destroyed. From as far as we're concerned, there's nothing left of Conria. Our sibling, the Abyss Twin, is devastated. Ruka Devada is dead. Nahida has been born. And Makoto is dead and A is taking over. Devalin and Venti have been poisoned by the blood of Durin. And they have gone to sleep for who knows how long to heal, because that's how they're going to rejuvenate themselves. Uh, We also know at this point that Signora's boyfriend dies and she becomes Signora. We know that the Fatui is formed out of Piero. 
who becomes the first Fatui Harbinger, the Jester. So that also has a lot of questions. Like, how did he all of a sudden be, was Piero like, I have been living in a godless land and now I'm going to go live and I'm going to go live and honor the Saritza of all things. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of questions there. We also know, and we, we can dive into details about all this and giving us kind of the bullet points. We know that possibly at this point, Kaya gets left in Mondstadt or eventually at some point, Kaya's dad is like, peace out, Cub Scout, save us, and <laughs> leaves him to be bound by Krapus Ravenger. Uh, there's a lot. It's kind of intense. Yeah, and then we also know that I starts making Scaramouche at that point, too. Oh, yeah. Because she's so distraught, she makes a puppet, so she doesn't have to deal with anything. So she can go and then... therapy with the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> puppet therapy! <laughs> oh, no, that sounds so creepy! <laughs> but we also know the academia is starting to rise in Sumeru, too, because they're keeping Nahida in the cage and starting to, right. you know, use Rika Devada's Akasha system. Mm-hmm. That's all now happening. Yeah, the sages who kind of were already in place prior to the cataclysm have now taken control with Ruka Devada mm-hmm. gone. And they're like, this god's a baby. Lock him away. I'm like, what? <laughs> who does that? Who locks a god away? It bothers who me. Who locks so away much. a baby? I mean, I could understand. Look at her. She's so cute. I could understand locking a baby away. <laughs> <laughs> but one's so cute. Yeah, definitely. She's got a swing. Yeah, even she more of a, a reason. Swing. <laughs> <laughs> when she's not typing at you. You brought up the fact that Nahida looks like she's coding earlier, Al, and so does Al Hytham. Mm-hmm. Al Hytham literally just brings exactly. code up in front of his eyes and he's like, ah, okay. And then he's like, ah, like I got comments. Just all of a sudden, just binary yeah. <laughs> everywhere. No, but hang on, hang on. I had I had a thing. I had a thing. Mm-hmm. So we talked a bit about, you know, the destruction of Conria and the people are cursed. Some asleep. A lot of the people have become hilly Charles and or some are immortal and can't die. Like Dainsleaf, we got he's got he's corrupted by the curse. And of course, the abyss, mages, hilly Charles, mm-hmm. all like the whole churl family, the lectors, and probably Kaya, though we think he might be safe from the curse for a bit. Yeah, I feel like he. They let him go, like, um, when they sent, um, what's his face? Superman down from... Clark uh, Kent? Yeah. No, what's his real name? Clark Kent? Kale? Cal? Cal? Thank you. Is that it? Oh, Is this Smallville? Are oh, we now no. in Smallville? Is this another leaf bubble? <laughs> this is. <laughs> Never mind. So... <laughs> I want to bring y'all back to one of the very first quests we do with Lisa, right? My homie. Our homie, our beautiful, boobalicious librarian. Who just got a new outfit. Oh my god. Oh. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm drooling here. But, okay, so... The book we're trying to find, this missing library book that's overdue, and Lisa's very wanting it to come back. As a librarian should. As a librarian should. It's called The Pale Princess and the Six Pygmies. Very reminiscent to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. But here's the thing. The Abyss Order is looking for that book specifically. And we're like, why? It's a fairy tale. Why the fuck would you ever need that? But because recently in Skara's 
our conquest, right? The only way that Nahida remembers anything about Scar and like the events of what happened are through a children's story. We love, so- it's honestly mm-hmm. the funniest part of this whole game. Exactly. However, the thing is, these children's stories don't change because they're technically fiction because it didn't happen. So Soul probably can't alt-delete that because it doesn't consider that part of the history. It's not like an actual recording of history. It's fiction alluding to something. So I think the Abyss was trying to find the exact fairy tale that shows them how to break the curse. And let me just read you the fir- like the first volume thingy. In the distant past, The night mother ruled over the faraway land of night. Here, no light touched the earth, nor did a single tree grow, and there was no life here but the horrendous denizens of the dark. The night mother was the source of all sins, and the land of night was the embodiment of her evilness. The cruel night mother, who had neither heart nor mouth, was always watching the land of night, and her punishments were always unexpected. The only thing she could not bear was the occasional ray of moonlight that made it through the clouds. The light that penetrated the walls of darkness always irritated her. The moonlight forest was the only place free from the rule of the night mother. Only there could the people bask in the bright moonlight and enjoy the grace it brought to the living. Everyone in the kingdom of the Moonlight Forest was born with fair skin, light-colored hair, and bright blue eyes. Perhaps the constant lack of sunlight and the nourishment of the moonlight was the reason for their beauty, giving them an appearance different from the abhorrent creatures lurking at the edge of the forest. That's volume one. We don't know where the other volumes are. The Night Mother could be gold. Yeah. And it's also interesting because it's almost suggesting that Conria was in the same realm as the abyss and that you know or brought down the, to the abyss yeah and where the abyss was where she could not see so in it, the sea someone... down in the sea of quanta you mean yeah but the only thing that helps them the only thing that kind of gives them any source of joy or alievement of the night mother is moonlight and who do we know has a reference princesses. to moon the moon princesses my favorite and lumine or ether or the, or or the spaceship that they rode in on no. called the moonlight throne <laughs> but no. yeah i really do think it's the children's stories we gotta pay attention to those because without those and if we can ever find any more volumes of the pale princess and the six pygmies i think we're going to find the actual cure for the conrean curse this mm-hmm. Klee's kid story count. She drew a really cute kid story. Yeah, I think it's somewhat <laughs> foreshadowing. I don't know. Um, you also, know. you know, I just want to throw this out there. And I know I, I hate to be making the comparisons to Honkai myself. But it's interesting that you say spaceships. Because doesn't Shingsho's book involve spaceships? Yeah. It's like, oh, where <laughs> did he see a spaceship? Novel. As my eye starts to, like, twitch uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to... You're not going to be able to sleep tonight. I'm going to have you? nightmares. I'd be like, Albedo's evil spaceships ah, falling off the tree. A bubble. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, I do think that that is all the time that we have for today. Unless anyone wanted to throw anything else out there. Any last minute thoughts? I feel like I said enough. 
I'm dead. There will be a day we finally go into all connections of Honkai and Genshin. Oh, there will be go. an episode. <laughs> I'm going to veto it. It might just yeah. be... Yeah, I was going to say, somebody when it is, I'm going to be on vacation. But <laughs> these is going to be us in a duo pod <laughs> going through it. <laughs> well, you and... Be like the, the crackhead quickie. You oh and me can have your it. own short about <laughs> Honkai, <laughs> which actually brings me... You know, I do want to say that you know this is the final episode of our very first season. Season one. You know, when we sat down over the summer and said we were going to do this, I don't think any of us realized how uh, much fun it would be and how popular it might get. And we are so thankful to everyone who's been listening and following us and tagging along through some crazy crack theories every day and listening to me kill people off but simultaneously not want people to die. So (laughs) (laughs) we are so excited to be bringing season two to everyone we will be launching season two starting march 15th but don't worry in the meantime we will be releasing some content on our instagram tales of tavat pod and on our twitter tales of tavat additionally we will be probably putting out a few little short pieces for you guys so you won't be completely missing us but you know we'll be putting out some more fun short things not about honkai that could be done at a later time (laughs) (laughs) but we're just super grateful and super excited to be bringing the next season to you please reach out to us or follow us on social media or at our email again our email is talesdevotpod at gmail.com so let us know if you'd like to see more episodes are you interested in more honkai lore because we if you're interested in it, we'll give it very I'm reluctantly. I'm going to make a little rule that puts all that in the spam folder. Yeah! <laughs> Honkai immediately goes to spam. Yeah. Listen, t- we tips have, of the webmaster. We had to do one episode on it. We just had just to. One, just one. <laughs> just one. Give us the For now. Give us the fucking beans. The next drip marketing we get uh, is going to end up being a character named Kiana. And we're all going to be like, ah! <laughs> me and Tiff are literally going to quit the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But with that being said, thank you all for listening to us this season. And we're so excited to bring you season two on March 15th. For now, travelers, safe journeys. We'll see you next time. We love you, travelers. Thank you. Bye, Honkai nerds. No! <laughs> ah.